Hi, this is Jessica McCoy with Calvary Christian Center. Thank you so much for listening. We pray that this message encourages and inspires you to be everything God has created you to be. We hope you enjoyed this message. Stand for the reading of God's Word. If you're ready, shout, let's eat. Yeah, I've been cooking fresh bread all week long. And I love it when you shout, but I'll tell you what else I love. I love it when you eat the Word of God. I don't know about you, but I'm excited to be a part of the family of the Lord. How many of you are glad to be saved? And I believe in my King. I, I believe in King Jesus. I I love my king, and I want to do all that I can to further his agenda in the earth. And I'm going to tell you, we are not in the earth to build a religion. We are here to establish a kingdom. And I'm glad to be a part of the kingdom. And, and, and I want you to understand something. I, I've comprehended through these years, now that I'm 55 years old, dear Lord, have mercy. And Don is about to turn 39 again. Praise the Lord. You and I are not called to build our own empire. We are called to build a kingdom. Now, now, I'm not saying God is against your blessing. He is for your blessing. But God blesses you the greatest when you understand that you're attached to something that is greater than you are. So I'm starting a series called Kingdom Builders. How many of you want to be a kingdom builder? Come on. All right, we're taking our text from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I feel like preaching. But this I say... He who sows sparingly or stingily uh, will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap how? Bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a what kind of giver? Cheerful giver. Now, I'll take a grouchy one, but God loves a cheerful one. Come on. And God is able to make almost all, no, it doesn't say that. God is able to make how much grace? All grace abound to you. That you, how often? Always having how much sufficiency? All sufficiency in how many things? Oh, my Lord. In all things may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now, may he who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Now, that ought to make a giver excited. Now, Isaiah 48, 13, I'm going to try to, in the next couple of teachings, I'm going to mend these two together. This is a message. It's talking about a man named Cyrus. It says, my own hand laid the foundations of the earth, the Lord says, and my right hand spread out the heavens, and when I summoned them, they all stand together. Sounds like God's got it under control. He said, come together, all of you, and listen. Which of the idols has foretold you these things? Somebody say, none. Yeah, no idol told us this. Then he said, the Lord's chosen ally, who is Cyrus, a pagan king, will carry out his purpose against Babylon. His arm will be against the Babylonians. Now, here's what the Lord says. I, even I, have spoken, yes, 
I have called him. I will bring him and he will succeed in his mission. Look at your neighbor and just say, hey neighbor, I don't have time to play. I'm on a mission for the king. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm on a mission for the king. The king has a plan for my life. I'm on a mission. I wonder if I could find at least 12 or 13 people out of this big early morning crowd. You feel like you're on a mission for the king. Slip up your hands. Father, release revelation and anointing. Bless your people in Jesus' name. Lead us and feed us. Remind us that we are kingdom builders, that we're a part of something greater than even our own selves. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Somebody give him a shout. Amen. Before you sit down, tell your neighbor, I don't have time to waste. I don't have time to waste. I'm on a mission for the king. How many of you want to fulfill your mission while you're on planet Earth? I'll tell you something very transparently. The older I get, the more determined I am that I live my life in a way that it matters. I, I, I'm focused on my mission now more than ever. I want to come into the fullness of who God has called me to be. And I don't have time to play, and, and I don't want to waste time. I, I'm on a mission. And here's what I know. Everybody in this room is here on a mission. Tell your neighbor, especially you. Come on. You are here on a mission for Jesus. And though everything you are after and everything that God has blessed you with is mighty, you're going to need everything you've got and everything he's given you to fulfill everything he has for you to fulfill and bring your assignment to pass. In Jesus' name, you have all you need, but you will need all you have. Come on, how many of you know God doesn't waste anything? And I'm going to talk to you over the next couple of weeks along these lines. And I want to talk to you about two different characters in the Bible, one from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament. One is, of course, the New Testament giant. We know him as the Apostle Paul. Nobody like him. God used him in such a great way. But then we reach all the way back into the Old Testament, and we're going to learn about a man named Cyrus. Both fulfilled the mission and assignment given to them by the Lord. Paul and this man named Cyrus. In 2 Corinthians, I read a text where Paul is admonishing the Corinthian church towards faithfulness and stewardship. He was reminding them to be faithful in their giving. In fact, in chapter 8, Paul talks about how the church in Macedonia, this church that had been uh, historically poor, that they had not had much in the way of resources, they found a way to give to God and because they were upset because they thought that Paul was going to let them miss an opportunity to make a difference in their giving. And so this church that had very little resource began to give to God. And the more they honored God and the more they fulfilled their mission, the more God blessed them and the more they had to give. It's an amazing story. I wish I had time to elaborate on it. But it was just as if this church that had been in poverty began to honor God and God's blessings opened over their lives because I have preached it for years and I still believe it today. You cannot outdo God. 
You can't outgive God. There's no way that you can outdo God. So Paul is talking to this Corinthian church, and he writes this letter in 2 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians, he has corrected them, and there's still some correction in 2 Corinthians, but it seems that they're beginning to make some progress in spiritual matters. So Paul actually compliments this Corinthian church in chapter 8 and says, you're abounding and you're winning in several ways. He said, you're successful in faith. He said, you got it going on. You believe it and trust in God and you're seeing God move. He said, you're successful in your speech. You're even speaking differently. You know somebody's saved when they start talking differently. And three people said, amen. He said, your knowledge is increasing. He said, your diligence is increasing. He said, he said, you're seeing, you, you're doing so many things right. He said, and I want to, I want to commend you on that, but here's where you're failing. He said, you're failing in generosity. He said, I want you to begin to abound in generosity. He said, you have a totality in mission and I want you to fulfill it all. And so what the Corinthian church, the mistake they were making, they wanted to have access to all of God, but they did not want to give God access to all of them. See, we want access to all of God, but we sometimes want to hold out what God can have access to us, what parts of us God can access. God, you can have this and you can have that, but I'm going to keep this and I'm going to keep that. I heard about a man that one time the, the devil came against him to shoot him with a fiery dart. He tried to shoot him in the chest and he had on the breastplate of righteousness. It didn't work. He tried to shoot him in the head. He had on the helmet of salvation. It was fruitless. He tried to shoot him in the feet, but he had his feet shot with the preparation of peace. He tried to shoot him in the midsection, but his, his, he had on the belt of truth. Hallelujah. Everywhere the devil tried to shoot him, he, he couldn't shoot him. And then he got behind him and he shot him in his wallet and killed him. Come on, somebody. Hello, I heard about the man who got baptized. He said, wait a minute. And when they went to baptize him, he took his wallet out of his pocket and he held it up. And he said, I want everything under except that. But you see, Paul was telling the Corinthian church, you've got, to, you've got to make everything accessible to God if you want every blessing that God has for you. And you may say, well, Pastor, why do you even talk to us about money? Why do you talk to us about our resources? Now, I want you to understand that I have no hidden agenda. I am not on commission. My salary, what I get, what I, what I make is uh, governed by a council. So, so I don't get, uh, I don't, I'm not on commission and get more as you get give more. We're just able to do more for the kingdom of God. Now, now you say, Pastor, why are you teaching us? Go ahead and praise the Lord if you want to. That's all right. You say, Pastor, why are you teaching us about money? Because Jesus talked about money. 30% of his time teaching, he taught about money because he understood the necessity of being generous. He understood that when he has our money, he has us. So Paul expounds on this in the book of 2 Corinthians. And he says in verse 10, and I love this, now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. He said, I'm going to give seed, watch this, not to the eater, but seed to the sower.
How many people miss out on their miracle and they never know their breakthrough because they haven't learned to be a sower? The Lord said, I'm going to give seed to the sower. Some people never really know what it is to bring in a harvest because they eat all their seed. Any good farmer knows, any smart farmer knows that it is necessary to eat some of your seed. God doesn't mind it if you eat some of your seed. He plans for you to eat. Come on. He plans for you to pay your bills. Say, thank the Lord, somebody. Hallelujah. He plans for you to take some of your seed and eat it. You eat your seed when you buy things that you need, and you, you even go beyond that, and God supplies even your wants, and he takes you into a place of abundance, but every wise farmer knows that you don't eat all your seed. You have to save some to sow. You eat some and you save some. You pay your bills. You, you, here's what I think you should do. You should give to God first. You sow, watch this, and then you save. Come on, don't consume it all. Have something left because the Bible said that a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. So you think generationally with your money, not just what am I spending on myself, what am I now prioritizing to leave behind. So you sow some, you save some, and then you eat some. You need, you need, you and I need to know what it is to walk out that process. Pay your bills. Live and enjoy uh, your, your money. But don't forget to set aside your seed to sow. If a farmer has one sack of seed, he has several options. He could grind the whole sack of seed into flour for bread and then hope somebody gives him more seed. Or or he could use some of it for bread and some for seed. See, here's what I know. Tomorrow's bread hinges on today's seed. Help me, Holy Ghost. Come on, we're eating now. I, I love it when you shout, but I love it when you eat. Tell your neighbor, I'm eating. Come on. My pastor's feeding me the word. Understand me. Tomorrow's bread hinges on today's seed, and you've got some seed, and I need you just to tell your neighbor, don't eat your seed. Come on. Don't eat your seed. A farmer without seed is like a car without gas. A farmer without seed is like a lamp without a bulb. A farmer without seed is like greens without fat back. Come on, somebody. It's like mashed potatoes without gravy, but uh, my doctor's in the house, so what we need to be doing is using turkey in our greens, but I probably won't do it this Thanksgiving, but hallelujah, pray for me. Hello, somebody. Mm, Jesus. Huh. But, but see, here's what I want you to know. When, when you spend your tithes on your bills, you eat your seed. When you consume your money, all of it on yourself, you eat your seed. When you spend your tithes on those shoes, you eat your seed. When you go deep into debt on credit cards, you eat your seed. Can I tell you as a father, as a man who's now been living a long time, guard against unsecured debt. That's credit card debt. Quit going deep into debt and paying 21% on credit cards and then coming in saying, God bless me. God didn't bless you. 
I got these shoes. I, I'm paying 21% on them, and God blessed me. God didn't bless you because I had to have them. They were $100. Yeah, but by the time you finish paying for them, they're going to cost you $369 because they're going to pay all that interest. It's quiet in here, but I'm going to tell the truth and shame the devil. Hello, somebody, because there's some things you need to say, I can wait on that. Just because you give to God doesn't give you the ticket to be irresponsible with your money. So you need to preach Pastor Rayleigh. You need to use common sense because the devil wants you in debt. The devil wants you to feel the pressure of financial problems. The devil wants you to worry over your money day and night. He wants your check spent before you get it. So here, write this down. This is very important. Devil-designed debt entices. It entangles and it strangles. You get enticed to spend money. You get enticed for things. You get enticed for experiences. And devil-designed debt, it entices, it entangles, and it strangles. And I wrote this down, and I've said it before, but it was so prevalent that I felt like I needed to say it again. Refuse to spend money you don't have for stuff you don't need in order to impress people you don't even like. Come on. Come on. Hey, Pastor Christian, I want you to shout, preach, Pastor. Yeah, I just needed somebody young to say amen. Come on. Refuse to spend money you don't have for stuff you don't need in order to impress people you don't like. Because we are caught in that trap. I'm not saying you don't love them, but you don't especially want to hang out with them. Because you have to impress them. See, let me tell you something. A, a real person who loves you, they'll love you in your old shoes. I'm not saying you can't have new shoes, but I'm telling you this. People who love you, love you no matter what. They don't love you for what you have. They love you for who you are. How many people have you known through the years who have ate their seed? It has been the thing that God wanted to use to bless them with, but they ate it. Now, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9, 10, Now, may he who supplies seed to the what? Shout it out the sower, and bread for your what? Food. Seed to the sower, bread for your food. Now, here's what I love. Supply, and then what else? And multiply the seed that you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Make a little noise if that sounds good to you. Now, now, from this text, we surmise that, that Paul's lesson is an agricultural lesson, but it's also a financial lesson. It, it's about sowing some of your seed and eating some of your seed. But look closely at verse 10. The Bible said he supplies. Somebody say supplies. That means everything I got, I only got it because God gave it to me. I said, everything I have, I only have it because God gave it to me. Who's got enough sense to know that everything you have is because of the goodness of God in your life? Make a little noise if you are sitting in, driving in, living in, wearing, eating. Come on. If everything in your life is a testimony of the goodness of God, one, two, three, make a little noise in the room. The God who supplies, somebody shout supplies. He is Jehovah Jireh, the God that supplies. He is my supplier. I, I'm not depending on Jack Jones, Dow Jones, Bill Jones, Indiana Jones, or any other Jones. Come on, somebody. I am depending on the Lord God Almighty who made heaven and earth, and he supplies 
all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Hold up. I got out. I'm supposed to stand here in this little area because we're trying to film this, but I got outside the box, and that's what some of y'all are about to do. You're about to get outside the box. Come on, somebody. He supplies. Now, the King James Version said ministers. Somebody say ministers. It says he ministers seed to the sower. Uh, the New King James Version and uh, several other versions say he supplies, but ministers. That means God wants to put your money in the ministry. He wants your seed to make a difference. When you minister to folk, you help them. When you minister to somebody, you help them. When you minister, you are actually being used by God. So God doesn't just use me. He uses my resources. Now look, the Bible said he supplies. Now look at the word supplies. It's also the word minister. It means to fully supply. How many of you are believing God that in 2020, he's going to fully supply every need you have? Now, I, I think there's a few rows that really believe it. Push your neighbor and say, this is the believing row. Come on. I want every row that believes that God is going to fully supply everything you need. Let's make a little noise in the house. Every, everything. Okay. Now we're going to go deep. God, God wants to fully supply your need, Don Rayleigh, Jim Rayleigh, hallelujah, Jackie, Jackie Dominique, glory be to God, and everybody else in the house. But if you look at the Greek overtones of this word, it is the Greek word epikoria geo. Now, it literally, now that's not easy for somebody from Alabama to say. Come on now. But, but it, it literally, if you look deep in the word, you see the word choregio. It's where we get our word choreograph. And what is choreograph? It's a predetermined and assigned dance step. It's something that is predetermined and assigned. If you choreograph a dance, how many of y'all know like the electric slide? Come on, somebody. How do you do the electric slide? Come on now. What's the one... Uh, the one that says, now jump. Uh, what's that one? Huh? What's it called? Cha-cha. Yeah. And see, it gives even people without rhythm have hope. Because everybody can copy somebody else, you know. Isn't it funny to see the folks out there and they're just going. And they just kind of, I'm going to get my own dance going. But, but here's the truth. God said, I have choreographed your money. He said, I have a predetermined and assigned process and, and assignment over your money. I, I give it to you predetermined. God said, before I gave it to you, I knew what you should do with it. Your money has a mission. And some of you live, some of it is to live on and some of it is to sow. In other words, you, your seed comes to you, your money comes to you, with an assignment, and when you realize your seed has an assignment and your money has a mission, you will not eat your seed because when you understand your money has a mission, look out. It is then that you are not only, you're not the only thing with a mission. What God gives you has a mission, and you get yourself in position to understand the greater blessing that God wants to bring in your life. You're dangerous at a whole nother level when you know that every part of you is connected to your mission. How many of y'all want to be dangerous in 2020? 
Come on. See, here's what I know about the devil. The devil fears money with an assignment. He fears money with a mission. The devil wants the church to be to, to flow in lack. He wants the church to barely survive. He wants the church to be struggling because that is a bad witness. When the church is about to go down, it's a bad witness. But when people in the church recognize that my money has a mission, then the church rises. But God said, I'm not going to let you help me and then me not help you. I'm not going to let you get in league with me and then me not get behind your agenda because your agenda is my agenda. I want to bless you. And then he says it like this. He said, when you sow your seed, the Bible said, he will multiply your seed sown. Somebody shall multiply. Oh, my, my, my. Now, that just makes me really, really happy because he multiplies my seed sown. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, you can't eat your seed because your seed has an assignment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I said this years ago, and it came back to me. See, see, my seed has an assignment. My money has a mission. And if I eat my seed, I actually feed my need. When I eat my seed, I'm feeding my tomorrow's need. I'm not taking care of things that are to come. And when I eat the seed assigned to sow, then I feed my need. And here's what I know. The Bible said he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The word diligent means a steady application in business. It is to take seriously what God says. It is to believe it all and then make your business, make, make it your business to fulfill his business. See, when I eat my seed that's been assigned that I should sow, I'm feeding my need. God rewards obedience. How does he reward your obedience and giving? He brings favor. He brings anointing. He brings prosperity. He brings healing. And he brings breakthrough. Remember, you cannot buy God. Money doesn't buy God. But obedience moves God. I don't give because I'm buy, trying to buy God. God is not for sale. How you going to buy El Shaddai? No, but when I give, it moves God. God is a rewarder of faithfulness. So here's what I know. As I give, when I give, here's what I believe. My seed addresses my need. Your seed addresses your need. People may ask, what are you doing? Why do you give? You give how much? You give when? Have you lost your mind? And you need to respond to them. I'm meeting my own need when I sow my seed. I'm... See, see, I, when I give to God, I am actually meeting my own need because it, it's easy. Some of you say, well, I don't know, Pastor. I'm not, I don't feel really comfortable giving at any level, yet you trust the Lord with your eternity, yet you trust the Lord that he has washed your sins away, yet you trust the Lord that to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord, that yet you trust the Lord that he will save your children. Let me tell you, God is ambidextrous. That, does, that means he's as good at one thing as he is at the other. That means he's as good at the left as he is at the right. He's not just a savior and not a provider. He's not just a healer and not a provider. He's not just a maker and not a provider. God said when you tap into the resource of who I am, you'll understand that I am absolutely able to do exceedingly abundantly far above anything that you can ask or think. People don't understand why you honor God, but they don't know that God is your source. And so when I give, I'm actually meeting my need. 
Pastor Don, we can trace in our lives that when we were faithful with little, little, little. Just last Friday, we were in the place where it all started, and I made almost nothing. I was working construction on the side. I was laying tile. I was doing whatever I could do to stay in the game, to stay in ministry. I was working full-time at my church, and I had several roles. But then throughout the week, I would go, and I would work construction trying to keep food on the table. I mean, let me tell you something, young person. There comes a day when it ain't about whether or not you get a new Xbox. It's not about whether or not uh, you, what kind of car you drive. At some point, you got to cross the first hurdle when you grow up, and that's put food on the table. Any real folk know what I'm talking about. Keep your family a house to live in. And I want to tell you something. I've come to understand that when I honor God, we started when we were young, and we would give sacrificially to missions. We started in a church that had nothing. And now I want you to look around at what the Lord has done. Four campuses, hallelujah, and we will start more. In the mighty name of Jesus, we're about to drop a bomb in Palm Coast. We've had the favor of the Lord come on us, and I can't even tell you. If I tell you, I have to shoot you. So I have to tell you next Sunday. But I'm telling you, every campus is going forward. Everything is blessed. You know why? Because you cannot outgive your supplier. Hallelujah. Now, here's what's good. He said he will multiply. Somebody shout multiply. Okay, God is not only a supplier, he's a multiplier. Oh, now, now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply. Somebody shout multiply. Multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. This is powerful because God not only supplies, he multiplies. That means he doesn't give you back what you gave him, but he multiplies what you gave him and he gives it back in multiplication. I wish somebody would help me preach in this room. God is not a God of addition. He's not a God of subtraction. He's not a God of, of, of division. He is a God of multiplication. And what you've got to comprehend is this. The seed that you keep does not multiply. Only sown seed multiplies. The only seed that will multiply is the seed that you get in the ground. And 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says this. But this I say, he which sows sparingly shall shall reap also sparingly, and he which sows bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Now, the word sparingly means to sow stingily. He said, Corinthian church, you are being greatly used. You, you, you're you, having wisdom and speech, and, and God is using you in all these different ways. He said, but you're stingy. Do you know any stingy people? My Lord, you want to point at them. Don't you point at them. If you sow stingily, he said, you will reap stingily. What does that mean? If you give a little, you'll get a little. I, I want to sow in such a way that God can bless my socks off because I want to do big things for him. So if you sow bountifully, somebody say bountifully. Bountifully means to go above and beyond. The Lord said, if you go above and beyond for me, he said, I'll go above and beyond for you. He said, if you bless me, I'll bless you more. He said, give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. God said, you give to me, I'll give to you. 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 But we give like this. We give a little bit, but God says, here's how I give to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken.
chicken together and running over. I want to get in a cycle where I give to God and he gives to me because I know that when I give to God, I can't outgive God and his giving to me. His giving is going to be greater than my giving. Come on now. Now, I love verse 8. It says in verse, now, now, let me just say this. How many of you believe that you can't outgive God? No, no, make a little noise if you believe you. there's no way you can outgive God. I believe it. I've lived it. This church has lived on that principle for 22 years that we cannot outgive God. When the economy crashed in 2010 and we went that we, we had just as many people, but people, that economy affected everything. We decided that we were not going to do less, we were going to do more. That we were going to help more people, and I can't tell you how we navigated it, but we helped more people than we had ever helped in our ministry. And all that time, we were literally living by faith because we understood that if we gave to God and we honored his principles, that if it worked in our house, it would work in the church. So he gives it back to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. How does God give? Jesus describes it like this. He said 30, 60, and 100-fold. See, that's, that's how the Lord uh, describes how God blesses. Who's a candidate for a 30-fold blessing? Come on. That means 30 times, 60 times, 100 times, God will double what you give him. Hallelujah. But I've seen him go beyond that. Now, here's what I love in verse 8. And God is able to make all grace. Somebody shout all grace. All grace abound toward you that you always, always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Okay, I got a few of you that are tracking with me. Come on now, hang with me because this is getting good. And he's able to make all grace abound toward you that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Raise up your hands and declare this after me. Say, in the mighty name of Jesus, as I sow my seed and I put God first, your word says, Lord, all grace abounds toward me that I always have all sufficiency in all things, and I may have an abundance for every good work. If you're claiming it all, I want you to give him a praise right now. Come on, I want you to get this young person. I may, I'm, this may be a stretch for somebody, but I have lived these principles my entire life. I have trusted God with everything that I am, and he put all of me, he attached everything to my mission. And as I have been faithful, I have seen God move. Have I had hard times? Yes. When I came to Calvary, I took a pay cut. When I came to Calvary, this church couldn't afford to pay me. Don and I took more than a half of, of our salary pay cut. We came here and it was by faith. But let me tell you that 22 years later, I'm trying to let you know that God will supply every one of your needs. You never backpedal with God. You never take a back step with God. If he leads you to it, there will be a blessing on the other side of it and God will supply for your life. I'm trying to get people to capture this because it can unlock something powerful in your 2020. How many of you want it unlocked in your life? Mm. So, so here's what I love. Then the Bible says in verse 10, watch this, he increases the fruits of your righteousness. Now, I love this. He increases the fruits of your righteousness. Let's get radical. 
put your hand on your chest and say, God is increasing the fruits of my righteousness. Oh, get the neighbor by the hand. Come on. Get the neighbor by the hand and say, neighbor, he's talking to you. As you honor God, the Lord is increasing the fruits of your righteousness. Tell that same neighbor, if I was you, I would praise him. Come on. If I was you, I would praise him. If I was you, I would shout. If I was you, I would open my mouth. Well, some of y'all say, well, pastor, I want to shout, but I don't quite know what the fruits of my righteousness are. It's the good things. It's the right things. Do you believe your marriage is a good thing? Do you believe your children are good things? Do you believe your anointing is a good thing? Do you believe God's provision is a good thing? Listen, we've had a poverty mentality too long in the church. We have had this mentality that you got to be broke, busted, and disgusted to make it to heaven. But I break the spirit of poverty off of you. I'm telling you just because your mother didn't own a house don't mean you won't own a house. I'm telling you just because you came from nothing don't mean that you're going to finish up with nothing. I'm decreeing and declaring the blessing of the Lord, and he is increasing the fruit of your righteousness. I declare that your house is a good thing. I declare that your family is a good thing. I declare that your anointing is a good thing. I declare that your healing is a good thing. I declare that revival is a good thing. I declare that as I am faithful to God, he is increasing the fruits of my righteousness. The Bible said no good thing will he withhold from those who woke up rightly. I'm releasing in your life good things for 2020. I'm releasing in your life. Revival is a good thing. Breakthrough is a good thing. Power is a good thing. Anointing is a good thing. Paying your bills is a good thing. Being able to own a home is a good thing. Giving the missions is a good thing. Somebody give God praise if you're ready to manifest the fruits of righteousness. Oh. Glory be to God. The fruits of righteousness. But he said, you got to understand the seed. And he said, when you really understand the seed, you won't get mad at the preacher. If you're mad at me today, my email address is josh at calvaryfl.com. I'm giving Troy a break. He's got on my hate mail for a long time. We're going to spread the love. Come on, somebody. So, so if you understand that I stand here as a father who has 22 years of living this before you, I didn't just get here. If you understand God's word is true and maybe my pastor is trying to help me and not hurt me, that my pastor has no agenda in teaching this except to see the work of the Lord manifest for, 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 for the assignment that's over this house, but also see the blessings of the Lord manifest in my life, then here's what you do. You learn to celebrate, you see. That means when we announce that it's time to give, you don't walk out and say, oh my God, all that church cares about his money. I went to Calvary Sunday, and all that preacher talked about was money. Oh, they talk about it, Calvary and money. Yeah, you come one time. Come on. And some of y'all, some of all you talk about is money. I talk about everything. I talk about the bedroom. I talk about, I talk about your television. I talk about your attitude. Hang around, baby. I'll offend you. Come on. I'll find you and step on your toe. Tell your neighbor, my pastor talks about everything. I talk about, I talk about it all. But I'm going to tell you this. I'm not being a wise apostolic leader. I'm not being a true spiritual father if I don't address the things that are pertinent to your life. life 
life requires resources. So when you understand that my seed encapsulates the ability to see my need met, then you learn to celebrate your seed. See, the Bible said, let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly. He said, don't be upset about it. Don't be mad about it. Don't go put it on Facebook. Don't get all mad. I don't, I'm just sitting here right now. I can't wait till this gets over because all he talked about is seed. I, I wanted him to do something to make me shout. If you can't shout over the goodness and blessings of the Lord that comes from obedience and you've lost your way, he said, not grudgingly or of necessity, for the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Now, now listen. I told you years ago, the Lord loves a cheerful one. I, I'll take a grouchy one. Come on. I'll take a mad one. But God wants you to understand that your seed has an assignment, and you should cheerfully give because this releases the multiplication factor in your life. So the Bible said the Lord loves. If you define that from the Greek, it means he's unwilling to do without, and he's unwilling to abandon a cheerful giver. God said, if you'll put me first, he said, I won't do without you and I won't abandon you. He said, please think of that. God said, when people are willing to be obedient is in giving. When they make my mission their mission, when they understand their mission is my assignment for their lives, he said, I can't do without people like that. I can't do without people who won't give to my kingdom. I won't do without people like that. God loves a cheerful giver. Now, what is a cheerful giver? The word cheerful giver, it's the Greek word cheerful, is hilaros. It's our English word hilarious. It is one who's ready. It is one who is willing. It is one who is excited about giving. It is one who is stoked about God providing in your life. Because while you got the seed in your hand, you're already visualizing the harvest that's going to come to pass. All, all, somebody say all, all grace, all sufficiency, and all things, and an abundance for every good work. You already see in the seed the fruits of your righteousness shall manifest. You you see in the seed, I'm getting myself in position to be blessed because today's seed is going to turn into tomorrow's bread. Come on now, come on. So, so he loves an, an excited giver. He loves a willing giver. He loves a happy giver. Come on, come on. Oh, I, I don't know if I should do this. Uh, uh, Anderson, come here, come here. Anderson, oh, come on, Anderson. How many y'all love Anderson? Come on up here, Pastor John. Come on, John. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Now get those chairs and see, get them over here. Uh, hurry, hurry, hurry. Come on. I'm 42 seconds overtime, and, and, but I'm not worried about it. Hurry, come over here. Come over here. Give these guys a God bless you. Don't we love Pastor Anderson and Pastor John? And so here it is, and, and I announce it's time to give. It's time. Y'all sit down in the seat. It's time to give. Now, some people are going to sit like this. Make your mad face. Make you upset the face. Make your face as agitated, aggravated. He talking about giving. It's time to give. So this is one way, but then there's a fellow over here that he's all excited about giving. So one person on the road, it's time to give. Here's what they do. Oh, my. It's time to give to God. What in the world? You pull out your phone. You're checking Facebook. You're showing attitude. But then this guy here knows that in his seed is his need, that the seed today is the bread tomorrow. So when I celebrate, when I, when I announce that it's time, to give when we say it's time to give to God here's what this joker does it's time to give to God no no you got no that ain't gonna do yeah there you go there you go that yeah that that's what and then you yell I'm texting to give oh you're texting to give 
and you, you holler while you do it. Woo! Yeah. So some people act like this. Some people act like this. Woo! Which one are you going to be? Are you going to be this guy? Are you going to be this guy? Are you going to be the guy that doesn't believe in the providing power of God in your life? Are you going to be the guy that says, dear Lord, I've got my miracle in my hand. Every time I give to God, I've got my next dimension in my hand. Somebody that believes it just that way, give God a praise in here. Thank you, thank you. I felt that. Don't let me forget that. That was a great illustration, and it just came straight from the Holy Ghost, and I'm going to do it again. You ready? God will meet our need when we overcome greed and sow our seed. God will meet our need. Raise up your hands and say that. God meets my need when I overcome greed and sow my seed. Okay, now here's, here it is, and I'm closing. Isaiah 48, 15, here it is. I love this part. And I'm going to tie this back together when I come. We're going to talk a lot about mission. How many of you want to fulfill your mission and assignment for the Lord? Okay, here's what the Lord said about Cyrus. I, even I, have spoken, the Lord said. I have called him. I will bring him. And he will succeed in his mission. I just challenge somebody right now, regardless of what it looks like, regardless of what it feels like, raise up your hands and say, I will. Shout it out. Say, I will succeed in my mission. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, in Jesus' name, you will. I said you will succeed in your mission. Now give the Lord a praise. If you believe it, that's why I can't waste my time. I'm on a mission for the king. I'm on a mission for the king, and everything that is attached to me is on that mission. Check this out. He says this, the Lord does, about a pagan named king named Cyrus. He said, I'm about to bless him. He got issues, but I'm about to bless him. He got problems, but I'm about to bless him. He's not all that he needs to be, but I'm about to bless him. He comes from the wrong background, but I'm about to bless him. He's failed miserably and horribly, but I'm about to bless him. If you know who Cyrus is, Cyrus was the king who conquered Babylon. Do you remember in Babylon when the handwriting appeared on the wall and they sent for Daniel and then Babylon fell? This was the king who conquered Babylon. Babylon was the, that they were the superpower of the day. They were unconquerable. But God not only gave Cyrus Babylon, but every nation around him, Cyrus conquered. But here's what God said. God said he will succeed in his mission. You say, Pastor, why in the world would God bless a pagan king named Cyrus? Because if you study the life of Cyrus, you'll find out 
that it was Cyrus who absolutely set the children of Israel free. They had been in bondage in Babylon. They had been in bondage to the Babylonian people, but Cyrus was the one who set them free so they could return to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple and strengthen the walls and restore worship for the nation of Israel. The Lord said, listen, he's got issues and he's got problems, but I can trust him. I can trust him to do what I've called him to do. He'll take the mission that I give him seriously. He's not all that he needs to be. He doesn't come from the perfect situation. He doesn't have the best pedigree, but I can trust him to do what I've called him to do. I can trust him with this blessing. I can trust him and I'm going to show him how much I'll bless him. If you'll honor my agenda, I'll give him Babylon and I'll give him every nation around him and I'll bless him more than he ever thought he could be blessed because he understands that my mission is the priority and if he will fulfill my mission, I'm going to bless him because I love him and because I trust him. See, there are days in your life, maybe you don't measure up. There are days in your life when you look back and you say, I've had too many issues, too many problems and too many failures, but I hear the Lord say, I'll bless you when I can trust you. I'll bless you when I know that you'll sow the seed that I give you and then I can multiply your seed so everything about you has to be a part of this mission. Everything that you are, your time, your talent, your resources, it's a part of this mission. He said, I'm going to trust Cyrus. I can trust him. I love him because I know that when it comes right down to it, he'll do what I've called him to do. Is there anything unreleased in your life because you haven't been faithful to God? Is there anything that has not multiplied? I mean, either we believe the Bible or we don't because you haven't learned to put the Lord first. Are there fruits of righteousness that need to manifest that will manifest through your obedience? Every dollar you give for Calvary I declare that it's mission money. I was thinking about just this weekend, hundreds of families yesterday received turkey and all the trimmings because you gave. Hallelujah. I was thinking about just recently, Pastor Troy, it was over 50,000 that we gave, wasn't it? Like 55 or something like that, close to, maybe even close to $60,000 that we gave to the Bahamas. And we, we provided much relief and still are. We're still giving out of that resource because we're so specific about where we're putting those resources. Where I want us to help, there's a camp there that we're gonna help rebuild and we've got just some money left behind. I want us to try to get behind that youth camp so they'll be able to have camp this summer. How many of you believe that they'll be able to do it and Calvary will be a part of it? The old missionary that, that uh, that was on the day that I showed you and it was the, the report from uh, the news agency and he testified about how the water was up to here. What you don't know about that man was this, I've known him all my life. He's been a missionary for over 50 years in Abaco. What you don't know about him was he, had, he has a leg that was amputated. He was standing in that storm on that, refer, on that, uh, on that washing machine on one leg trying not to die. His house was destroyed. We just sent him $5,000 to put his house back together. 
No, you ain't praising God. I'm trying to tell you, your money has a mission. Folks that came in on our, on our buses today, they sent me pictures of what them guys are eating. They had chicken and waffles. Chicken and waffles. New underwear, new socks, change of clothes, bath, chicken and waffles. I need some chicken and waffles. My seed has an assignment. Some of it is to eat. Some of it is to sow. When you eat, when you, when you, when you eat your seed, you're sabotaging your ability to have your need met. When you sow your seed, say this, say, my seed today becomes my bread tomorrow. So I want everybody right now to prepare to give. Don't, I don't know if it's our Sunday to sow or tithe. I know we have ours uh, deducted out of our pay, our, of our, out of our account, but I want us to sow a seed today. I want everybody to give today. Now, what is your tithe? Your tithe is 10%. It's the 10% of what you earn. Above and beyond giving is when you give beyond the tithe. But either way, you're giving it to God. So I'm challenging you today, if you haven't been a tither, that you start, that you bring that 10% to God. And if you haven't been a person that goes above and beyond, I challenge you to do that. He ministers seed to who? The if you would like to be a part of what God is doing here at Calvary, you can give online at calvaryfl.com or you can use our app. We hope this message encouraged you to experience the Spirit, embrace the lost, and live the life. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you soon.